Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley, and we are glad you are with us. Hope you'll check out our website, sportsmanofcolorado.com. A lot of our sponsors are there, and we hope that you will give them a chance to earn your business. And we have one of our new sponsors, Hunting Gear Outfitters, want to tell you about. They are located in Highlands Ranch, Ted Ramirez. Hope you'll get by and see them. And uh, their number, 303-798-5824. You can check out their website, huntinggearoutfitters.com. Also, we've got Davis Tents that have joined us. And um, we are looking forward to getting them on the show here again real soon as well. Well, we're glad to have Kevin Flesh with us and uh, looking forward to our topic today. So, Kevin, great to see you. Good to see you. Man, beautiful weather right now. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what, this is summer. It is. Finally. finally. Yeah, we're out of the monsoon. Finally, yes. Man, we got some good hail there last week at our in the Highlands Ranch, Sedalia area, yeah. Castle Rock. I mean, pretty good size hail. Yeah, out yeah, there. yeah. Everybody needs to check their roofs and everything else. Even yep. if you don't think you have damage, make sure you get somebody out to check it. Because a few years ago, same thing. Horrible uh, hail at our house. I thought we were okay because we had a new roof, and it was supposedly one of those hail-proof steel uh, concrete-coated roofs, and we still had the roof was oh, completely wow. totaled. So. Oh, man. Yeah. So... Make sure, even though it seems like it's okay, just be sure. Sure. But, uh, yeah, everything's good. You know, Saturday morning I was out fishing on Cherry Creek, and walleyes were biting well, so well, cool. can't complain. So we're in a good pattern right now. Good deal. Well, today our topic, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about, and you've, you've watched the news at all over the last month. You've seen a lot of this where we have had a lot of accidents in, in the rafting industry. And when I say accidents, I mean there's been loss of life. Also, just out on our our lakes and different things, different accidents. And so we're going to kind of talk about that today on the show. But so, Kevin, again, we've talked about this before when you sign a release, but there's a lot of rafting companies here in our state. And when you go up and do that stuff, I mean, there is a risk with that. There is very much and a you, risk. I mean, especially not, in years like this where you have really high water because of all the snowpack we've had and, and uh, a lot of our river systems, you know, a lot of our river systems function two ways, right? They get run off out of the mountains and to other states for water. Mm -hmm. And the other is um, for rafting, for recreational use. And um, and during these times where we have a bunch of snow and it and it you lose the snowpack quickly, you're going to have really big, big water years. And this is one of them. And so that's great. I mean, it's good. Sure. But you've got to know what you're, what you're getting into as well. You know, all of the recreational boaters out there, you have to be really careful about what you're doing this time of year. Um, I looked actually at the um, flows for the Colorado River at Catamount this morning. They were still up near 4,000 CFS, which is really big. Um, it was 6,000 last week. Um, when when I float that river fishing, mm -hmm. um, we normally like to see it somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 is really good flows. So triple that. Triple or, that. Or quadruple yeah. that is not very good. And what happens is with the bigger water, you, you it become, in some places it becomes easier because you don't have as many obstructions, you don't have as many rocks and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And from the standpoint of technical boating, it's much easier for that. Um, but, but you just have a lot of water. And so it's faster, it's more significant, and, and you're... 
But when you make a mistake, the river can take you places that you didn't think it could take you. So that's where people have to be careful. And then when you get to professional rafters, those are all folks that are running, you know, Browns Canyon and the Arkansas is where you have a lot of people. We've had a bunch of accidents up on the mm -hmm. Poudre Canyon up near Fort Collins. And it's, it's inexperienced, is my guess, and with water this size. And it's people going out for a good time. They've signed the waiver. They've, and there's a really good state statute for the rafting companies to allow them to stay in business so that right. you waive away all of your rights. And then you're dealing with a, a natural environment, much like skiing or anything else, where you get into the wrong place and, you know, you get your foot held up in a rock bed or, or something else happens, you hit your head. Um, and you're you're knocked unconscious, and then you're down the river a half a mile before you know it. And so, there are things that everybody has to take into consideration when they're when they're doing those trips. Even though you're going with a professional guide, I've I've rafted the Royal Gorge when we first moved out here in the mid '90s, and big water like it was this year, and and we were with a guide that didn't know exactly what he was doing, and we got into an area that we all sort of said, well, "What do you want us to do?" And he's like. I don't know, <laughs> or spinning, That's a and that is not a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. But um, so you do. You just have to. And the thing that I can say to people right now, from from a legal standpoint, obviously, it's it's you have to understand when you sign that that waiver, you're signing away everything, mm -hmm. and um, it's very, 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 very difficult to get around that waiver. And so when you do that, you have to understand that you are taking a risk, and you have to make sure that you're comfortable with. You know, it's like investing in the stock market. Um, if you're going to go on a river trip with someone, you want to look at what they're doing, if the uh, where you show up and, and where you sign up and you get all your gear and you're doing everything, make sure it seems professional, that they know what they're doing, um, and that you're comfortable with the section of the river that you're going to be running. You know, when, you, when they start talking to you about the level, there's different types of rapids and the, and the right. different levels. Um, find out, you know, at the particular level the water is going to be running at on a particular day that you go, what it's going to be like, and then you have to make a decision. Is this something that I'm willing to risk? Um, it can be super fun. Oh, yeah. They're really, really fun, but in the blink of an eye, it can also be really dangerous. And I would bet you... 75 or 80 percent of people sit there they get the little three minute spiel before you get on they go this is a class two class three whatever yep. most of them aren't caring about that right. or even know even know what it means yep. probably especially people from other states right completely agree but i mean even my kids uh, at a camp that they were at a couple of years ago early on in the season they were running a, a relatively tame level of of rapids in the arkansas between texas creek down in the lower portion of that basin and they had a guide flip a boat over and all the kids were out on the water. I mean, it happens. It just, you know, you just don't know. And so you, the thing that I can tell people is really listen to your guides as to what exactly they're saying. If that particular situation happens, it was years ago, it used to be that, you know, you'd put your feet up and you'd sort of float downstream. Now the, the uh, spiel and the safety talks are a little bit different about that. They're now saying, you know, swim to the side of the, of the river as fast as you can. Keep your feet up because the idea is you keep your feet up so that you, they don't get into some rocks and you get submerged. Um, because if the water is, you know, if your foot is caught in a, in a crevice in a rock and you're now... Uh, facing down river and the river is going over you, you're, you're going to drown. And sure. so the idea is to keep all of your appendages out of the lower part of the river, swim as fast and as hard as you can to the side of the river, and just wait for somebody to get you. 
they obviously have the ability to throw a bag or something like that to you in case something happens where you're in a you're in an eddy and you can't get out of it or something else is going on but that's those safety talks that they give are given for a reason mm -hmm. i mean and it's really in an, and especially times like this and this time of year it's the perfect time for accidents to happen so you just want to be aware of it right and and keep your head up would it be out of line, or, or would you recommend, like, if you, you know, you go to one of these rafting companies just to ask them, hey, my guide, what's his experience yeah. level? How long has he been? Because I'm sure they get some turnover in that industry. For sure. Just like they do in the ski slopes yep. and ski instructors and yep. all that. So yeah, absolutely. Ask be a good... <laughs> Especially with the way the water has been this year, um, it's definitely something that you'll want to ask about their safety record, and they should be very more than happy to tell you about that mm -hmm. and tell you about what's taken place in the last week or two. Because we've, we've had big water the last three weeks or so, and so... Those are, those are the instances where you want to find out, okay, the first week with the big water, we had a bunch of accidents. Well, how did the next two weeks go? Because your guides should have gotten better with what, what's going on, and they should have learned the river a little bit more. I mean, you, you know, they go over and they they float these, these sections of these rivers, especially like Browns Canyon, and they're all named rapids. They're all rapids that they should know about by now, and, and if they're concerned about any of them, they stop and they scout them. And if you have a guide that's not willing to do that, um, you've got to ask them why. What's going on? Are you completely comfortable with where you're going? Especially when you get into the class three, three, three and a half, four, and down in you know the the Royal Gorge, they could be even some fives um, with the way that the water is. And the Royal Gorge, they have a, and most of the stretches actually, they have a certain volume where they'll say no rafting today right. because there's too much water. And so you just have to you have to be aware of that and just make a good buying decision like you would in any other circumstance. And make sure that you're comfortable because you, if you if you are at all uncomfortable, then you need to walk away, especially because you're signing the waiver, you're giving up all your rights. Sure. And and it's just one of those things where you don't you don't want super fun thing to do. It's it's a Colorado thing, beautiful. I mean, Browns Canyon is one of the beautiful most beautiful spots in the state. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also deadly at times. And this is the time of year where issues can happen. Right. And during those safety talks, I mean, I think about every time we get on an airplane, most of us are right. doing other thing. We're not even paying attention. But, but during those safety talks, when you're doing something like that, it behooves you to listen and really understand where the emergency equipment is yep. and all that kind of stuff. Completely agree. And make sure that your life vest, your PFD is is on securely, that you've got it tightened down. I mean, those are really important things so it doesn't, it's not sucked off of you into the river at some point. Because if it's loose and you don't have it on correctly or it's not the right size, especially for people that are smaller, mm -hmm. kids in particular, you'll want to make sure, make sure that you have a good helmet. Um, you know, all of those sorts of things. And then recreational boaters, you know, it's county by county as to where um, you have to legally wear a life preserver in the state of Colorado. Eagle County, for example, everybody has to wear them, even for a recreational boater, okay. a guy like myself that has a boat that, that runs the river. And I have a safety talk, even with folks that that I take out in the boat every time that have never done it with me, just to remind everybody, this is where the safety equipment is. If somehow I get thrown out of the boat, what to do? Mm -hmm. If you lose an oar, there's an oar underneath the seat. This is how you open up the seats. You know, if something happens, these are the things that you do. And these are, these are the places that I want you to go to so we'll find you um, if something happens. And most of the stuff we're running is very, I mean, ones and twos, pretty simple stuff. Sure. But you never know. I mean, you just don't. You just, it's, it's, a, it's a natural environment, and the river, the river doesn't care. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that rushing water is, 
it's really cool to be on. At the same time, it can be really dangerous. And, um, you know, you just got to be aware of things. And then to look for things in the river, you know, to look for places where you've got uh, trees, and especially when you have high water like that, a bunch of stuff is moved down river and may get stuck up against some big rocks. And those strainers, you don't want to get in those. And, and all of the sorts of things to look for to, to make sure that you're comfortable um, if something happens. Because if a guide, you know, in one of those boats where you're, you've all got a paddle, you're not rowing the boat, the guide isn't rowing the boat, and, the, and you lose the guide, now you don't have a captain of the boat. So you want to make sure someone kind of understands how it goes so that you can get over to the side. So super fun. Running water right now is super, super high, so everybody's got to be careful. Sure. Again, Kevin Flesh is with us. Kevin's number, 303-806-8886. And I always tell you, put that in your phone. You never know when you may need it. We hope you don't, but if you do, it's nice to have it right there at your fingertips. Uh, right before break, Kevin, let's just, we'll introduce a segment, then we'll come back after the break. But um, a lot of, like I say, I think there was like 11 uh, big accidents on, you know, rivers, lakes, yeah. all the things with just watercraft. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the laws here in Colorado just to make sure everyone's aware of them. But um, a boat, a jet ski, all that stuff can be very dangerous same as an automobile no doubt no doubt um you know it's amazing how quickly the, there's so much safety equipment on new boats these days you've got the kill switches whether you've got a tiller you know and just a still water environment you know you've a regular lakes um where you know you're in the back of the boat you've got this 15 horse motor maybe a small boat you're like oh what can it do i mean that propeller when when it's running is is basically knife blades i mean and it can do some real damage to someone if you run them over for mm -hmm. example or a, a water you know a ski uh, pwc basically a personal watercraft those jet skis and those sorts of things they now they may be jets so they're running water through the system and out the back to create the force to move it so there isn't as much danger of being hit by a propeller but they're still 800 pound items or and they fly and they do fly <laughs> especially the big ones i mean yeah. some of the big ones are the thousand cc machines where you can get a couple people on and you can pull a water skier you know, they're, they're a lot of weight, and they can really hurt somebody. Uh, we've talked on previous shows. I had the situation where I had two jet skiers. Uh, one hit the other, a daughter and a, and a mm -hmm. father, uh, a couple of falls ago on Cherry Creek. And um, they can do some real damage to a human being. Wow. <laughs> they just can. Yeah. So you got to keep your head about you. Uh, don't go anywhere. we got to take a short break, and we'll be back with more right after this. Don't let mosquitoes disrupt your family fun at your next barbecue or keep the kids from camping out in the backyard. Hey, this is Scott Watley, and I'm very happy that our outdoor activities have been mosquito-free for the last four years thanks to the fine folks at Mosquito Authority. Their mission is to help protect you and your family from mosquitoes and the diseases they carry. And did you know when your dog or cat is bitten by a mosquito, heartworm is one of the most common infections? At Mosquito Authority, they guarantee you won't be bothered by mosquitoes between treatments. And if you are, hey, all you have to do is call. They'll come back out, reassess your property, and if necessary, retreat at no additional charge. No contracts, no commitments, and best of all, no mosquitoes. Call 303-688-2847. That's 303-688-2847, or visit MosquitoAuthority.com. After an accident, think about flesh and back law. After your accident, 
You didn't think it was a big deal. You didn't think you were injured. You didn't think you'd ever hurt that much. You didn't think you'd have to miss work. You didn't think physical therapy would take so long. You didn't think there'd be so many hospital bills. You didn't think that the insurance company would take so long and give so little. You definitely didn't think you'd ever be in this situation, but you are. After an accident, think Flesh and Beck Law. Flesh and Beck have the experience and the knowledge to think about all the details you didn't know you'd have to worry about. They will answer all of your questions and help you to determine if you are entitled to compensation for your pain and suffering. After an accident, think Flesh and Beck Law. 303-806-8886. 303-806-8886. Call today to find out if they can help you. Let me tell you about one of my favorite stores, The Outdoorsman's Attic, a consignment store for all of your adventure outdoor gear. Hunting, fishing, camping, kayaks, live bait, survival gear, backpacks, sleeping bags, firearms, and ammo. Save 20, 30, 40, and even 50% on new and pre-owned items at The Outdoorsman's Attic. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and save up to 20% on your purchase. This offer excludes firearms and ammo. Never pay retail again. Big savings and friendly service is what you'll find at The Outdoorsman's Attic. Located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Check them out, outdoorsmansattic.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to the show. My name is Scott Watley. Kevin Flesh is with us, of course. Flesh and Beck Law, fleshlawfirm.com, giving you some tips today. If you're out on the water and we're talking about boating and kayaking, everything, um, all your personal watercraft. So, Kevin, just an introduction to this. Um, we almost have to think of being out on the water as if we're driving a car. So many of same laws apply. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the one of the bigger things that I see when I'm out on the metro area lakes is people don't understand what the markers are on the lakes. So the buoys that are up around the lakes, they don't, they don't know what they are. And you need to know what they are because, for example, in Cherry Creek, the whole south end of the lake, um, there's, a, there's basically a, a line on the south end that south of that line, it's all wakeless boating. And... Um, and I see people, especially in jet skis, go into that area all the time. And early, I'm out fishing a lot early morning, and um, there aren't as many jet skis out at 6 o'clock. That mm -hmm. sort of crowd comes closer to 9 sure. or 10. But th that time of morning, there's a bunch of people out there um, crewing that they're rowing, and they like that flat water. Well, you get a boat that comes into that area, and it screws them up. And... Um, the other thing that I see is when the CPW officers are out there, they love to go after those folks that are in those those areas because I mean it's so easy to see. I mean they're they're sure. past the line and <laughs> they're going way too fast and creating a wake. And um, you know Cherry Creek, for example, they have a boat out there with regular lights and sirens on it, just like you would in a police car. And so they go tearing after them and shut them down. And then a lot of times they give them tickets and they tell them to get off the lake mm -hmm. um, because they don't. So you've got to make sure that even when you're renting a, a jet ski or anything, that you know what each one of these markers, you know, you've got the danger markers, you've got the boats keep out, the controlled area. Um, and then you also have in areas where you have 
like a sandbar or something else. A lot of times there'll be shallow water markers. And again, Cherry Creek is a good example. There's several areas on the lake that if you're bombing across the area over by the marina, um, there's a huge sandbar there. Now, we've got enough water right now that it may be a couple feet, three feet deep, so you may be okay in a smaller boat. But if you've got a big boat, you're going to high center that thing right up onto that sandbar. And I know there's some rocks on it, too. So, I mean, it's one of those things that people just need to be aware of. And it's the same thing wherever you go. Right. There's sort of an international signage, just like when we drive on the roadways, that you, that you need to know what they are. So even if you're over the age of 16 and you're legally able to boat... Sure. Um, or so it's just like being familiar with our street signs. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly like that. And then the other thing a lot of times in these high congestion lakes is folks that are doing the water sports, the jet skis, the, the, you know, the pulling of the tubes or all of those sorts of things, they'll have signage about which way you need to go in the way of where you can go in the lake mm -hmm. and whether it's counterclockwise or clockwise so that you are all going in the same pattern. So you don't have people zigzagging and, and running into, you know, tubers or, or doing anything that, that uh, may cause injury to another human being. Right. The last thing I think relating just to the signage topic is the fact that in Colorado, when you're water skiing, if you've got a person in the water that's not up on a, on a device that out of the water, um, skiing or boarding or whatever, Everybody's got an orange flag, or they're supposed to have an orange flag in their in their boat. And when that person is in the water near them, that orange flag is supposed to be up. It can be in somebody's hand. It can be you know put on the side of a windshield on the boat. But you've got to look around for those flags because the person may be 30 yards from that boat. Mm -hmm. And if you get close to them, going I'm to speed, you, it's hard to see. Oh, Some, it's I mean, ridiculous reflection of the sun yeah. on the water, or whatever, and you're yes. flying across. And if you know people are skiing or tubing out there, they could have fell off a tube yep. or fell off a jet ski, whatever. Completely agree. Be careful. Yeah, and the, the last thing is what time of day. So the jet skiers can't be out there. Uh, I think they have a half hour or hour at both sunrise and sunset that they're just not supposed to be out there. Same for water skiing. You because of exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. Those low light periods. It's just really difficult to see anyway on the water to differentiate between a wave and somebody's head. Sure. So there shouldn't be people out there, but you got to be really careful. Mm -hmm. And then nighttime is a whole other <laughs> set of circumstances that we'll talk about. But lights and, and whether you're anchored or not and, and making sure people are aware of where you're at is really important no matter what time of day. Mm -hmm. And just to be aware. And especially in Colorado, I mean, we have the huge population boom. We don't have a lot of lakes uh, that people can do any real serious boating on the lakes that we do have are really crowded so if you want to go 100 miles an hour on the lake you have to do it early morning or late evening and even then you have to be really careful otherwise just take your time the lakes aren't that big that you have to get somewhere really fast sure yeah. and if you're a boat owner um you need to think through some things before you let when I say just anyone, I mean, we're talking, we're going to go through some ages here a little bit, but I mean, especially, hey, if it's just a body, do you know their experience of driving a boat? Because I was just asking you during the break there, yeah. are you responsible as the boat owner? Yeah. You let me drive that. Yeah. And there is some responsibility. There is. It's, it's, it's the whole concept of entrustment and what, what you know of the person that you're allowing to drive it and whether or not they have a history uh, or whether or not they're properly trained. So if that person that you let drive um, doesn't have any training and hits someone, that person that's hit can be making the claim against them, obviously, for what they did, but also for you for what's called negligent entrustment, saying you should have looked into this closer and you should have made sure that this person was capable 
or in a reasonable person to drive this this boat and if if you don't know that and actually they may have some history that would indicate that they're not very good boaters mm -hmm. um, then you'd be held responsible as well and a lot of people you know w what do we have 20 to 30 percent of the population doesn't have car insurance I bet it's Oh. At least half that don't oh, yeah. relating to boats, probably more than that. So, I mean, the likelihood of, and a lot of times homeowners uh, coverage excludes, you know, ATV use or, or water uh, vessel use, uh, if you follow the definitions in their, your policy. But those are all things you've got to look at if you have a boat, whether or not those things would be covered um, in the event that you're, you're deemed to be negligent uh, in the use of the boat. The other one is, uh, of course, really interesting is, is people who say they know how to row on, on <laughs> rivers. And I've had uh, numerous friends that that suggests that they know what they to, that they're doing, and then I hand over the oars, and I quickly realize within the first ten yards <laughs> that they, are, they have no idea what they're doing. And uh, when you you know the, those sorts of boats, I mean they're still they're not cheap. The boat that I have is a fiberglass boat, so you can't really run into rocks very easily with it, and not cause damage. And um, you become a little concerned for your safety yeah. very quickly. So, no, 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 so no. it's pretty evident pretty quickly. Now. Um, a couple things we want to talk about, and then we're going to get into some the, the alcohol side of things because that seems to go along with a lot of boating, and yeah. we'll bring you up to speed on some of those things. And but, marijuana. And, and marijuana. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. So um, one thing under the Colorado Boating Education Requirements, it says this, anyone under the age of 14 years old may not operate any motorboat or personal watercraft on Colorado public waters. And it's the same thing. I mean, a lot of kids, you know, maybe out in the rural areas, grew up driving tractors. I mean, you may think your child can handle it, and, right. and that's not the point. No. If they're under 14, you better not get caught <laughs> letting them drive, right? You're right. That's exactly right. And and it's it's a state statute. It's just like any other law that we have. It's there to protect the public, and you don't want uh, an individual. You just can't do it. A kid under the age of 14 in Colorado cannot drive a boat, period. And that's what the, that's what the statute says. Now, Obviously, I see people letting their kid, they're sitting in the seat with them, and they're letting them drive, that sort of thing. Well, technically, they're still driving the boat at that point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, most boats have, you know, the control for the engine on the one side in the way of a, uh, a handle that you push up or down or in reverse, reverse and the steering wheel. Um, a tiller, certainly all you have is just the tiller to run the boat. If they're doing either of those things and have control, they're driving. So you don't want to get into a situation where they're doing that. You just shouldn't be doing it. You're breaking the law, even if you're sitting next to them. Right. Um, and I understand everybody wants their kid to learn how to ride, drive the boat, but they have have lots of good ability to have boater safety and to, to do some of those things after they're 14. And uh, it's much like driving a car. They've got a full year to figure that out before they um, can do it on their own completely. So, sure. And between 14 and 15, they're able to, but you've got to have the certification. Yep. Just like Kevin said, between 14 and 15, they must successfully complete an approved boater education course to legally operate a motorized vessel. And boaters under the age of 16 years must be able to show proof of that education upon request by law enforcement official. And boaters 16 years of age and older are not required to have the boater education uh, to operate the vessel. But you know what? Not a bad deal just to go through and make it's yourself familiar. Completely agree with you. And yeah, and, and you know what? The uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife have a great uh, pamphlet. It's, it's, I pulled it off today. I think it's 40 pages, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, 
45 pages. And it, it gives you all the laws and it gives you all the things that you need to know. There is n I learned some stuff this morning going through it, and I've been boating in Colorado for 25 years. You know, there's just uh, things that we should reacquaint ourselves with mm -hmm. uh, every year to make sure that we're up to date. So that's where everybody needs when they get their license or, or you're going in to get your sticker for your boat, um, pick up one of those pamphlets and just review it in the spring to make sure that you've got everything caught up. And it also gives you the opportunity to go look at your boat and make sure you have all the safety equipment, all the PFDs, the whistle, the fire extinguisher, all the things you need to, to have in a, in a boat in Colorado because now when we have to stop and get our boats checked to, to go into the lakes, right. half the time I'm asked if I have all of that safety equipment and I show it to them. And so if you don't have it, they're going to give you a hard time about it. Just make mm -hmm. sure you have it. And you have to remember, uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, those officers out there, um, they are just as Denver police yep. patrol in our streets. Just right? like the state patrol. They have jurisdiction over those all of the activities that go on at the parks and the, the public uh, waterways in the state. And if they feel they have reasonable suspicion to talk with you about a potential law violation, you're... You're in just like the situation we've talked about before with other police officers. You right. have to think about what you're doing and making sure that at that moment um, they're looking into it and trying to prove that you've committed a crime. And so you have every right not to make any statement other than giving them ID or if they ask for some sort of border, border education, if your child's under the age of 16 and, you know, they want to make sure a lot of times they'll ask for boat registration if they have some concerns about that and uh, all the things that we'll talk about in the next few segment segments uh, about uh, under the influence too. Sure. Yeah. Great information. And again, we talk about this on our Haystack Help Show as well as Sportsman of Colorado. But uh, while Kevin handles a lot of the criminal side of things, personal injuries, certainly uh, the things we're talking about today, um, if you do get caught up in one of these and uh, get a citation, this is something Kevin can help you with, as well as, you know, game violations, hunting season coming up. Of course, we'll be talking a lot more about that with Kevin. But once again, I highly recommend you put his phone number in your phone, 303-806-8886, and it's fleshlawfirm.com. we got to take another break. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is proud to announce their new 10,000 square foot facility is now open in Berthard, Colorado, located at 504 North 2nd Street. With this expansion, Phoenix Weaponry offers a new retail area and expanded gunsmithing in Duracoat and Cerakote areas. Family owned and operated, Phoenix Weaponry offers the finest in competition, hunting and long range precision firearms. Also suppressors from 22 long rifle to 50 caliber for rifles, pistols, and shotguns. Phoenix Weaponry also offers gunsmithing services and restoration repairs from antique to modern firearms. Building your firearm dreams into reality. That's Phoenix Weaponry. Call them now, 720-340-2496 or visit them at phoenixweaponry.com. Ladies, I know you're tired of walking into the local gun store and seeing the same old thing. So let me tell you about Rampart Firearms. Just a quarter mile up Highway 67 off of Santa Fe and Sedalia, you will find a great selection of guns, ammo, tactical, and personal defense weapons. And if you or your spouse love to hunt, Rampart Firearms is a great stop for all of your hunting needs. 
shotguns, rifles, pistols, anything from predator hunting to your next big game trip. Head to Rampart Firearms at the foot of the Rockies. Open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you will only pay a 4% tax on your purchase. RampartFirearms.com, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality eye and vision care for over 50 years. Stack Optical is a family-owned business, and they're proud to be one of the few optical offices that have their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Your one-stop shop for all of your vision needs, eye exams, glasses, and contacts. And don't forget about the Stack Sports Pack. Let owner and certified optician Alan Stack customize a pair of specialized glasses that will make your next outing on the golf course or on the gun range better than ever before. Call today for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Or check them out at stackoptical.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to the show. My name is Scott Watley. We've got Kevin Flesh with us. I want to thank you for being with us. Talking about safety out on the lakes and uh, rivers, uh, streams, whatever, just on the water. And now we're going to bring in the uh, subject of alcohol and, as Kevin brought up, um, marijuana now, of course, in our state. And um, Kevin's talked a lot about that and the increase that we've seen in that as well. And uh, I looked up one thing, Kevin, and it said, you know, um, do you get drunker quicker on a boat? Yeah. And this article said, yes. Not everyone realizes this, but when you're drinking while on a boat, you will become impaired more quickly than if you were drinking on land. The effects of sun and heat dehydrate you and leave you feeling drunk with less alcohol. So... Again, many rules apply on the streets, on the waters, but um, let's talk just a little bit about operating under the influence. Well, and the thing that, so the thing that you and I were talking about before the show, the interesting thing, and if you can go to the revised statutes, it's Title 33 is where all of uh, the violations are re relating to boating in Colorado. And the interesting thing is relating to the prohibited uses, and that's what we're talking about when you're talking about um, operating, uh, we would say, a boat. The statute actually says a vessel. And the interesting thing when you go to the, to the definitions in Title 33 relating to the definitions of a vessel um, it, it does not differentiate between a vessel that has a motor or not. It's de it defines uh, a vessel as every description of watercraft used or capable of being used as a means of tra transportation of persons and property on the water other than single-chambered air-inflated devices or seaplanes. Now, there's a lot of us that don't. Seaplanes <laughs> yeah. are easy. Right. Uh, the single-chambered air-inflated device is an air mattress. Right. That's, that's a vessel. But what, what, it, what it doesn't talk about is it makes no differentiation whether you have a motor or not. So, you can be in a kayak, a canoe. Uh, inflatable kayak, 
anything that has more than one ear chamber is a vessel. And then uh, under 3313-108.1, it is a misdemeanor for any person to operate or be in actual physical control of a vessel in this state while under the influence of alcohol. So you're in a canoe having a good time with a 24-pack of Budweiser, and uh, you get stopped by CPW for whatever reason, and you seem to be under the influence, you've just gotten yourself a BUI. Avoiding oh, and I will just about bet you 100% of kayakers do not know that. That's true. And, well, yeah. and talking about kayakers in yeah. particular, uh, then we've got the issue of uh, under the influence of any controlled substance um, as defined under Title 18 um, or any substance under another subsection uh, with in combination with alcohol and you're under the influence and so we've got the same issue with the fact that we've got legalized marijuana now um, it's still the same argument that they're going to be asking you to do just like they would in a regular traffic stop if they believe they can prove they have probable cause going through the voluntary roadside voluntary streamside maneuvers sure. <laughs> or lakeside maneuvers right. if they can prove those things and they ask you to take a test you need to take a test um, and if you don't then you've got issues uh, the refusal isn't as important in the sense of you're not losing your driving privilege with a straight-up uh, BUI so if you don't take a test relating to a vessel um, you're not going to be DMV isn't going to have any uh, problems but okay. I'll give you an example of a case that I just finished where the person was under the influence backing a, a boat, in, boat trailer into the water at Chatfield. Um, they didn't actually stop her while she was uh, putting the boat in, but she's, she was stopped another 20 minutes later in the boat. And um, CPW then sort of triangulated the fact that she had just been uh, on, on shore with the motor vehicle in the trailer and they charged her with both, charged her with the BUI and the DUI. And so it became very complicated yep. um, when we got into that situation. So it can, it can have both impacts, but if you're just talking about drinking and driving a, a vessel in Colorado, because most people would think, well, a boat, you've got to have a motor. Absolutely. Um, and you don't. So it's, it's a very interesting, and, it, and to some degree, people would be like, if they're listening, they say, well, why is that? Well, a lot of our rivers, for example, especially the rafting and the other things that people are doing, you need to have your wits about you while you're, mm -hmm. while you're doing those activities. They're physical activities in the sense of moving a boat from place to place when, in rapids and other things, and you don't want to be impaired by anything. The excitement is doing that. You shouldn't be impaired uh, while you're doing it because people are, are at risk. So do you have the same... Uh, do you apply the same things as far as doing you know, the breathalyzer or blood test? Yeah, so, um, absolutely. So, the person that is uh, stopped, that you're, you're under uh, arrest, essentially, and asked to do a test, you have the obligation to do that test relating to either breath or blood, and it's certainly up to the option of, of the officer. And what I've generally seen relating to these sorts of circumstances is if CPW, if you have an experienced CPW officer, they can handle the DUI arrest as well as long as they're properly trained. Half the time they're not, and so what they'll do is they'll then call the county sheriff or they'll call the most uh, local 
law enforcement agency that is trained to come in and complete the uh, complete the breath or blood test, and then you'll be taken into custody after that. Gotcha. So, but it's it's the same sort of thing, and it and obviously, if you look at the statute, it. It's one of those things where it can be in any sort of circumstance where you're you're in the control, physical control of uh, a vessel in Colorado, mm -hmm. wow. and and I mean I haven't had a case with a, a canoe uh, or a <laughs> kayak, but I can imagine under certain circumstances and certainly running any rivers, especially let's say you get into a situation where you have to call law enforcement because someone's been hurt or something's happened on a river today and um, they see that you're in a kayak when they show up and that you're impaired that's going to be a secondary investigation for them and they probably are going to write you a ticket and have you uh, take a test to figure out what's going on sure and you got to understand they're going to be serious about it i was reading an article this morning and it said alcohol contributes to about one-third of all fatal boating accidents nationwide and so um, they're going to be serious about it. They are really going to be serious. And especially because we have so many people on the waterways in Colorado and because there's just a volume of boats that are out there, especially in the metro area, if you're in a situation where you're the captain, captain of your boat and uh, you're going to be running that boat at any point during a day, you just don't want to be. And, of course, under the influence is the same standard. So mm -hmm. a lot of people will say, well, what does that mean? under the influence and they're going to be looking towards the driving under the influence sorts of statutes so 0.05 um, BAC is probably the legal limit relating to the DWAI in Colorado so if you were driving a car um, what does that mean in, in real terms of, of alcohol consumption it's not a whole lot depending upon your weight and depending upon what you've had for for food during the day it could and be especially as little being out like it said earlier being yeah. in the sun, I'm right. telling you, if you've never done that, do that for three or four hours. Right. It will drain you. Especially in, in our environment where we have no humidity. Um, it's, it's incredible how quickly you can be dehydrated. And what happens when you're taking, let's say it's beer or any sort of alcohol, you know, that your body will take in that water, mm -hmm. but it'll especially be affected by the alcohol in, in those drinks. And so you've got to consider that. And, uh, and it's just one of those things where it's not worth uh, the risk. And but a lot of people do it, obviously, and that's why we have shows like this to inform people that even, you know, let's say you've got a boat, you're not driving the boat, but you've got a two chamber uh, inflatable kayak that you're out messing around on. And, you know, one of you falls out and gets hurt and the police are called. The other person that was in that kayak is going to be questioned as well as to what happened and what took place and whether their level of impairment was if there's some reasonable belief that they've been uh, drinking while using that, that watercraft. Sure. And it's just to keep everybody safe. And it's also illegal for the owner or operator of a motorboat or sailboat <laughs> to knowingly permit the vessel to be operated by someone under the influence of alcohol, a controlled substance, any drug, or any combination of these substances that renders that person incapable of safely operating the vessel. Yeah. So, again, that goes back Sheesh. to the same thing. So, so if you've got other people that are on the boat with you, sailing's a good example. Um, you know, we see a bunch of sailboats, again, on Cherry Creek or Chatfield uh, on certain days of the week especially because they'll have regattas that sort of thing and um, so let's say you're you're sailing and you're having some drinks while you're doing that and you need to pull the main sheet down or you need to do something with the sails and you have somebody else covering the the helm while you're while you're off doing that and they're impaired 
there's a violation of the law. You just can't do it. Um, again, you're in a situation, especially with sailboats, not easy to turn them, not easy to make very quick changes in direction, and now you've given up that, that control to somebody else that's under the influence. Mm -hmm. Those are sorts of things that you've got to be concerned about as the captain of that vessel. Right. Yeah. Kevin's number, 303-806-8886. It's fleshlawfirm.com. That's F-L-E-S-C-H lawfirm.com. We're going to come back with a few more tips on being safe out on the water. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Scott Watley. Now, many times you hear your radio host like me say something like, let me tell you about my friends at, then we'll talk about a sponsor that we truly believe in and endorse. Well, in this case, let me tell you about a company that really is part of my family, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. For over 13 years, we have trusted our furry family members to this wonderful staff. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe that all pets deserve to have a good life, and their goal is to help you keep your pets happy and healthy throughout their life by providing complete pet care services every day, all at one location. We love the Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center Boarding Lodge, and your pet will too. Your pet will receive one-on-one -on -one care and attention throughout their stay. Open seven days a week for your convenience. Check them out. Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, located at 8681 Lincoln Avenue in Lone Tree. 303-708-8050. 303-708-8050. Or check them out online at LoneTreeVet.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back. My name is Scott Watley here with Kevin Flesh, trying to give you some good tips to keep everyone safe and make the summer fun as it should be when you are out on the waters here in Colorado. So, Kevin, a couple of things I want to touch on here before we get out of here today. Number uh, one is, um, you know, let's say you're driving a boat and you do, you hit your own skier, you hit someone out there. A lot of things still apply. I mean, there can be some serious uh, legal issues for you, whether you're impaired or not. Right, right. Absolutely. So, I mean, certainly, if you're if you're acting reasonably under the circumstances and something just happens to mm -hmm. the pull, person that you're pulling or, or something else, I mean, accidents do happen, certainly on the water, and there's lots of reasons that things can go sideways, and that's why you want to make sure that everybody understands the safety and, and you're doing the things that you need to do following the law relating to all the equipment. Um, so it's just like any other situation where if a person is injured by your actions they still have to prove that you were negligent that you fell sort of below the standard of care relating to the same or similar circumstances of a person similarly situated um, that's real a lot of legal garble for for basically if you're you know for example um, you may be pulling a skier we, we see this some um, when we're up in northern Wisconsin you may be pulling a skier and there's debris in the in the lake there's a log that comes up or we the particular lake that we're on they have bogs that will sometimes sit at the bottom of the lake and just spontaneously come up to the top of the lake and all of a sudden so you're riding along and you may have you know the, uh, a piece of ground that's the size of you know a four by four four by eight piece of plywood that all of a sudden shows up so if you're pulling someone and, and you don't see that and they they go out on the outside of the wake and they hit that that's not your fault I mean it's just part of what mm -hmm. the what the activity is but certainly if you're not paying attention if you're um, not listening to what's going on not 
keeping uh, yourself aware of what's going on around you and you barrel over someone, that's obviously a problem. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's those sorts of circumstances that w we always get back to the fact that, especially in smaller bodies of water that we have in Colorado, um, you want to make sure that you have a good lookout and that you have time to stop. I mean, boats don't stop on a dime. They sure. just don't. And, and whether or not you can move the boat to get around whatever the obstruction is or make sure you're not following too closely so that the boat in front of you, if something happens there, um, that you don't cause your, yourself to run into the back of them. All of those sorts of things. And there's lots of experts in boating out there. So if you run into a situation where you do cause a problem or an injury to someone, the question is whether or not you were being reasonable, much like anything else in mm -hmm. life. And if you're not, then you're liable. And then the question is, is how are you going to pay for that liability? Um, what do you have in the way of insurance coverage? What do you have for assets? Um, you know, it all depends on what, what exactly your financial circumstance is and whether you've been good about covering those sort of circumstances to make sure that you're, you're fairly taking care of the victim of your actions. Right. And another thing we were talking about during the break here, and we've talked about a lot of times um, on our Haystack show, is... Um, you decide, hey, I have too, too much to drink, so maybe you pull your boat over to shore, but yet, I mean, you're just maybe up on a sandbar sure. a little bit yeah. or something like that, but it's safe, and you're just sitting there, and, you know, the key's off, yep. so the motor's not running, maybe right. you got a line in the water, whatever. Um, CPW pulls up and starts asking you stuff, but yet you're not operating it, you're just sitting there. Yep, well, so the statute says that if you're in actual physical control, um, that's the issue of whether or not you're in actual physical control. And what that means from, and the statute doesn't give you that definition, but I know that the, in practicing law in Colorado that we have a definition for that in the sense of driving an automobile. Mm -hmm. And basically it's in, in a situation where you can physically run the vehicle, or the, in this case the vessel. So if there's a key, if that key's in the ignition, if the, uh, a lot of times the boats now have safety equipment so that um, if you don't have the particular mechanism for the immediate shutoff of the engine, if that's, if that's in place like it should be, and, um, you have, and you're sitting in the seat where you can drive the steering wheel or you're sitting in the seat next to the tiller, all of those things would indicate that you're in physical, actual physical control and you have the ability at any moment to actually drive the vehicle. That's going to be enough for uh, law enforcement to come over to you if they think that you're impaired, if they, if they start talking to you and you have slurred speech and red bloodshot watery eyes, you seem to be stumbling around the boat, all of those indications are going to be that you're driving and that you're in phys actual physical control. And so that's going to be where the defense of you is going to be making the argument that you weren't. And, and let's talk about all of the facts. Where was the key? Was the boat operational? Was the safety equipment in place so that the engine could start? All of those sorts of things. So if you're in that situation where, and we see it with cuddies, where you have the ability to, let's say, overnight on the boat, you get into a place, you anchor, you turn on the appropriate lights to stay overnight, um, and then you have a few cocktails, the question is, are you in actual physical control? Well, probably. So the things you want to do to maybe make it more difficult for an officer to say that you could leave at any moment, you know, take out the keys, make sure that the safety equipment wouldn't allow the vehicle, the, the vessel to be run. 
um, mm -hmm. sailboat that you don't have the ability to immediately put up a sail and go anywhere. Right. I mean, those sorts of things so that factually you can make the argument that although you're in actual physical control, there's no ability to go anywhere and so that there wasn't the act of actually driving it. And I think you're going to have a better shot in defending yourself in those circumstances because that's certainly understandable. I mean, we, have, we do have big... Pueblo Reservoir. Um, the reservoir is outside of Fort Collins. We've got a couple of pretty good-sized ones up there that you could. Maybe you go to a back back bay in some of those areas and you decide you want to stay the night, and you're going to do that on the boat. You know, if you have a big enough boat that you can sleep on, that becomes a, a whole other set of circumstances and things you want to consider so that an officer comes over if something's going on um, and they, they're just doing a safety check, just coming over to make sure everything is okay, and you're completely in in a situation where you're under the influence of whatever, you want to make sure that they can't make the argument that you're also driving the vehicle. And kind of same rules, when I say rules, same advice applies. Yeah. You get pulled over driving yes. your car, yeah. and they come up to you and start talking to you on your boat. Kind of same advice you apply, That's say exactly as little right. as possible. Say as little as possible. Um, you, you certainly don't have to answer any questions other than who you are. Um, probably give them some idea of ownership of the boat. So you should have the, the card that CPW gives you every year when you get your annual uh, sticker to put on the boat. And, uh, and then don't say anything else. Let them decide what they want to do in the way of their investigation. Find out why they're there. Make sure that they feel that you're safe and everything else and let them go about their business. My interactions with CPW, generally speaking, is really good. They're, sure. not, they're not out there to, to really give people a hard time, but they will enforce the law, mm -hmm. and they're always looking to see um, whether you've got the things you need to do because the laws have been put in place, especially the safety regulations, to make sure that no one gets to minimize the risk of getting right. hurt. So go to their website. I believe it's cpw.state.co.us, and um, you should print out all of this if you own a boat or watercraft or whatever of any kind and just to make yourself familiar as i said kevin and i going through this uh preparing for the show um learn some things yeah as well yeah and, it's really mean, and you never know when laws change and different things same thing as when we're out hunting you get the new 2019 big game brochure in colorado different things change and as kevin started out even talking about even just knowing the signage on the waters and lakes um because that is up to you to know that as well as you knowing uh, the street signs, speed limit signs, and all the signs on the highways. Absolutely. And uh, looking at the 2019 boating statutes and regulations, there were six fatalities last year relating to boat accidents. So there's certainly the possibility of those sorts of things happening. And there was 29 reportable accidents in Colorado. Uh, 13 of them led to injuries. So, right. um, you know, that's, that's not a number that's in... I mean, you think about all of the boating that goes on, but it's still a, a, something that can happen, so don't do it. Sure. Well, Kevin, always great information. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Hope everyone has a great rest of your weekend. And just a reminder now, if you miss us on Saturdays on our live show from 1 to 2, you can catch us on Sundays at 8 a.m. or once again at 4 p.m., and that is every Sunday. Again, enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Check out the website, cpw.state.co.us. You can get all this boating information that we talked about today and make sure and ensure your safety and have fun with your family. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.
and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.